You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I, I I feel like I say this every time, but I'm like, I'm so pumped to have Libby Cole on the podcast today. Um, Libby is a certified Enneagram coach, and I, I do not talk about Enneagram enough because I, I'm, I kind of love it. I'm kind of obsessed with it. Um, read a couple books on it. Big fan. I'm personally an Enneagram 8, and I'm sure y'all are like, duh, if you know anything about the Enneagram, but we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about it in the context of kind of mental health and how to recognize your own cues using the Enneagram just as a tool. This isn't, you know, I I mean, I typically try to keep everything evidence-based and scientific and, you know, sometimes we just need to talk about these things that may not have randomized controlled trials in them and just use it as a tool. So it is what it is, but Hey, Libby, welcome. Thanks for having me. I am really, I'm so excited. So Libby reached out. We have a mutual friend and was like, do you ever want to talk about Enneagram? I was like, yes, I love it. I love it. So tell well, I'm also from Austin. Uh, we lived there for about 10 years, but now we're living down in Georgia. So we've got that Charleston MUSC connection going too, Claire. Oh, and Georgia. I'm from Georgia. Did you know that? I'm, where are you living? I'm, in, I'm from Macon. We're down by St. Simons Island. Yeah. Yeah. That's cooler than making. Um, so, all right, tell us a little about yourself and how, wh- what does an Enneagram coach even mean? What, what, how did you get into this? And then there are probably people listening that don't know what Enneagram is. So we'll have to explain that too. So, but tell us a little bit about you. Sure. So I spent over 12 years in higher education. Um, so that's where my MUSC connection comes in. And I was working in leadership development with students, and I was really just looking for something new to do with my students. And I had heard about the Enneagram, but didn't really know what it was. Um, if you've heard people saying, I'm a type eight or I'm a type three, and yep. you didn't know what it was, that's the Enneagram. Um, and so I pursued it just as something new to do with my students. And then I went down the rabbit hole hard and just fell in love with it. Um, and then I got certified to coach with it. And basically what that means is it's using it as a tool for growth, for self-awareness, for building relationships. I work with individuals and couples and companies. Um, so it has a very wide range of offerings, um, helping with communication and teamwork and having hard conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it can be truly transformational in a way that people don't really know if you just take a test yeah. and just use it as a personality tool because it is actually a lot more than that. Yeah. And so what it is, it's a personality test basically, right? Or personality kind of category assessment. I mean, how do you even explain it to people that, that don't know what it is? Sure. So I say what it is, is a structure of nine archetypes for human character. So it's actually more than personality because it's about your motivation behind it. So Mm -hmm. it's not what we do, it's why we do it. So that's what differentiates it from some Uh of the other personality tests like DISC. Myers-Briggs. Or Myers-Briggs, right. I I think I want to say I'm like an 
INFJ or something. I don't know. I'm an ENFJ. So yeah, that, that makes, makes a lot of sense. But yep. I, yeah, I felt like I, I did that one time in a class and it was interesting because it, you know, it characterizes you in a way that you're like, gosh, how does this thing know exactly what I'm thinking or feeling? But, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like it gave us as much information about, like you said, motivations and what to kind of what to do with that. Right. It's a lot more about self-knowledge and inner work. Um, it's about having like healthy ways to deal with fears and insecurities because we talk about your core fear and your core desire and it goes a lot deeper yeah. than just how you're showing up in the world. Um, and it also, I think, helps us to flip the golden rule on its head. So it's not about treating other people the way you want to be treated. It's about treating other people the way they want to be treated. Be treated. Um, so it's not just your own inner work. It's relating to others more effectively also. Well, I'll tell you the first time I had any experience with it. Um, and my husband and I do marriage counseling on and off, like more, sometimes it's in, for an issue. And then sometimes it, we get the, the most out of it when we're not having an issue um, and do it more like in a maintenance mode type of thing. And one of our counselors, this is several years ago. Um, and so we had been married for a few years at that point, you know, had dated and felt like we knew each other. I mean, we know the person so well. And Ed is kind of constantly doing something new. He used to change jobs a lot. And I'm sure for some people they are like, what is the dude's deal? He bounces around all the time or he has like three different jobs at one time. He, yes, you're okay. She's holding up her fingers. He's a seven. Okay. So we're in counseling. So I'm telling him, I'm like, you are so unhappy. Something is wrong with you. Why can't you just be settled? because I'm an eight. And so I'm like, control, control, control. I need a routine, you know, all the things. And I'm in my head, I think something is wrong with him and he needs to figure out what is wrong with him. And our sweet counselor, Meredith was like, have you ever done the Enneagram? I think it would really help. And so I'm telling you, it was transformative for my understanding of him. Now, do I change him at all? No, I, I know that now. I mean, almost 10 years married. I can't change the man. I just now have to figure out how to ride the wave as best I can. So it, but it helped me understand more of his motivations and what he's looking like when he's healthy seven versus unhealthy seven and him understanding that, you know, that I'm an eight helped him kind of guide me through things that he was having. Does that make sense? But it's so, yeah, so absolutely. Well, and all said you can't change him. And that is one of the core pieces of the Enneagram also is that it's said that your type is set from the time you're five years old. So if you accept that and you lean into that, then you're not trying to change yourself. You're not trying to change somebody else, but right. you're just trying to grow and be the best self that you can be. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important. And um, some of the other pieces with the Enneagram that it's not, um, it's not meant to be an excuse or a crutch. It's not, you know, I'm an eight, so it's okay for me to be combative or controlling. Right. It's not meant to be a crutch. It's not meant to be a weapon or a way to manipulate other people. Um, so, you know, learning that he's a seven, it's not so that you can manipulate and mold him. It's so that you can have a better understanding of him. Um, it's also not an assumption about others. I broke a cardinal rule, Claire, when I held up my seven fingers because you're not I supposed know. to type other people. But and I wasn't typing it. him. I just could tell from the way you were describing him um, that he, he sounded like he had some seven tendencies, but it is. You're not supposed to type other people. He is it's the a seven personal journey. seven that ever seven <laughs> president of the sevens and all of the sevens, you know, should look to him about how to be a seven. I love that. It is. Um, 
<laughs> so funny. But, but yeah, I mean, that, that I feel like there was a time when kind of all of our friends were reading, there was a, a the Ian Crone book, Road Back to You. Um, that was, so I will tell this, tell people this too, and see what you think about this. So I, there are several online tests you can take to figure out which one you are. I don't know if you have one specifically that you recommend, but I took a test and was a three. And yes, I definitely have, so three is an achiever and we'll go through all the types. So, and I definitely have some three tendencies, but then when I read Ian Crone's book and I read the chapter eight, I mean, it was like reading a description of my diary, you know, I mean, it was bizarre how, how it pinned me. I mean, so how do you tell people to best figure out their, their type? A lot of people find their way in through the test and tests can be used as a starting point, but I do not recommend them as an end all be all. So mm -hmm. I think it's okay for people to discover it through a test. My personal favorite free test is truity.com, okay. T-R-U-I-T-Y.com okay. um, and use it to look at maybe your top two to three. So it might help you to narrow from nine to three, but then you have to read, you have to dig in, you know, follow a couple accounts on Instagram, talk to your loved ones about it. Um, look at your wings. I have a, an at a glance sheet that I share with people that has all nine types on one piece of paper, and that can help you to compare and contrast next to each other. Um, but the Enneagram Institute is a wonderful tool and they actually have resources for looking between two types. Yeah. So if you are confused between a three and an eight, you can read their information to and learn more you, about the differences. They tell you about what, how each type rule like we'll do in relationship together. And so of course they're like mm -hmm. seven and eight don't do it. And we're like, well, we're married. It's too late for that. But, um, <laughs> but that's not true. All the know. types can be very effective relationships and there is not really any statistically significant information out there that any particular types are better or more common. It's all about learning how to relate to each other. It really was, it, it really was a, an eye opening, life changing thing, at least for me. I, I mean, he probably would have been like, I could have told you all these eight characteristics before, but, um, yeah, just for me to understand that there's not, there wasn't something or, and still isn't something wrong with him. It's just mm -hmm. the way he is wired for whatever reason is, is to, to be the way that he is. And now I feel like I know a little bit better how to handle that. And I'm, and I feel like too, it's, probably family and friends. Cause I will have people say to me like, gosh, how do you deal with, you know, we move a lot. We've moved like four times in Charleston. We're about to move to Nashville. And I think that a big part of me could get, you know, very worked up about that. And, you know, I want to have all the control all the time. Um, but I just now know that I, I can't fight that part of his personality. So what's the point? I mean, it's not going to help our relationship and, and our kids and our marriage and all that. So. Anyway. And one of the greatest things that the Enneagram can provide in any relationship is having that shared vocabulary. So mm -hmm. when you can say, okay, I am really in my eight right now and I'm struggling with this because it gives you that shared understanding, but that can be true. I mean, my mom and I talk about it all the time. Anybody in my sphere of influence knows their Enneagram and it gives us a language that we can have together to relate to each other and understand each other better. So let's give people the basic understanding. Do you feel like you have a little blurb you can say for each of the nine types that will actually help people? Absolutely. So I have 
the nine types that we're going to go through. I also want to talk a little bit about levels of health um, and how you can recognize some of these rumble strips that you're starting to kind of veer off track and go towards an unhealthy place and then how to get back into that healthy lane. So does that sound good? Yeah. And I can't wait till we get to mine because I'm telling you, I read that in the book and I was like, how does it know? Guess what? I'm going to start with eights. So no! you don't even have to wait, Claire. Yes. All right, all right. Because what I like to do is I like to break them into triads. And okay. so one of the cool things about the Enneagram also is there's a lot of structure. There's a lot of organization around it. Okay. Um, and they're broken into three triads. So there's the gut, the head, and the heart. And the gut triad is eight, nine, and one. Okay. They're going to process things really intuitively. So they're taking it in through their gut. They really have gut reactions and they are in their bodies. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the tips, if you're being triggered by something and you're in the gut triad is to push yourself into your head or your heart. So if you're feeling some kind of way, you're getting angry, you're an eight, nine or a one, take that moment to take a deep breath and think, how can I push myself into my heart, maybe practice some gratitude or push myself into my head, maybe do some meditation. So that's a really simple tool that you can use with the Enneagram um, when you're getting triggered or being activated by something. That happened to me yesterday. So we're going to start with, yeah. And have you learned some of those techniques to kind of pull yourself out of that just guttural angry reaction? Yeah. I feel like as I get older and hopefully more mature, it, I, I, I know that my instinct is to just full on react, right? Like a, an emotional reaction. And what I was in a meeting with my business partner yesterday and she and my husband was there too. And they both obviously know that about me. I had this reaction talking about something and it's, I think it's the people around me too now know like, Hey, they have to tell me, you need to take a step back and maybe say this instead of this. And I, I, I am capable now. I feel like of, processing that in a headway versus just a like gut or, or emotional way, you know, but anyway. yeah, that's a great example. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Type eight is the protective challenger. I am also an eight. So Claire and I relate on that level as well, but eights have a need to have autonomy. They don't want to be controlled or manipulated. And they really can be more tender people, but they protect that vulnerability. And they also want to protect the vulnerability of other people. So eights are really big about fighting injustices, mm -hmm. um, which is probably part of you in this business, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you want the word to get out there and you want it to be a just and fair playing field for everybody. Yeah. Um, females are actually the fewest. So female eights are the fewest of any Enneagram type, and they are also the most misunderstood. So... Yes. I see you. I feel you. <laughs> yes. Because I also say people want you to be an eight until they don't. Yeah. Like, yeah. You feel that? Yeah. <laughs> so at a healthy level, um, and let me just say too, when we're talking about health and healthy and unhealthy with all the types, you can go in and out of all of this in a day. Yeah. It is not that you are just always firing on a healthy level and there is nothing unhealthy going on. You can have moments of health and unhealth in a single day, but mm -hmm. we're going to use these wake up calls to pull ourselves back into a more healthy place. Mm -hmm. um, so when eights are healthy, they are generous, courageous, and decisive. When they are unhealthy, they can be vengeful, power hungry, and combative. Um, mm -hmm. And these unhealthy levels are also where a lot of stereotypes can come 
come from with these types. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes there's some not good stereotypes, especially with eights. Um, yeah. But when they're in that unhealthy place, it's important to look for these wake up calls. And some of the wake up calls for an eight could be that you're just struggling for self-sufficiency. You are fighting to keep that autonomy mm -hmm. or you're trying to force or control your life. So if you sense those wake up calls, again, use it as that rumble strip on the highway that you're veering off course and you need to come back in. Mm -hmm. And some of the ways that you can increase your mental health and lean back into a healthy place are to practice self-restraint, mm -hmm. to let other people take the lead, mm -hmm. to uplift others and celebrate their success. Mm -hmm. um, you can also focus on calm. Um, so maybe have a bath or have a really consistent sleep routine, something that's going to keep you calm and centered or um, have accountability. So you mentioned that your husband and your business partner know when to say, take two steps back. Um, so having that accountability and being open to that feedback can be really important with the mental health of an eight. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Is that tracking for you? Yes. Got it. Okay. All right, so type nine is the mediating peacemaker. So nines have a need to avoid, especially conflict, mm -hmm. um, because that peacemaker, they want to have peace. They have a wonderful capacity to understand others and to bring people together, which is the mediating part. Um, the best and worst part of a nine is that they can see two sides to everything. <laughs> like they yeah. can just see two sides of the story. And so they're often mistyped. So if you think that you're every single type of these, you might be a nine. <laughs> like if you can see the perspective of everything that I'm saying, you might really want to look at that type nine. Um, when they're healthy, Healthy, they are fulfilled, they are receptive, and they are alive. When they're unhealthy, they can be disoriented, obstinate, or they can numb out. That's a really big tendency of a type nine is to like numb out on TV or um, food or just, you know, to kind of shut down and turn off. So a wake up call is when you find yourself just kind of going along with it, but it's not what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Or if you're really resisting even being affected by the situation at all, and you're numbing yourself to what's happening. Um, and when you feel those wake up calls, practicing mental health can look like spending some time in nature or doing yoga or meditation. Um, and some of my favorite meditation apps are Insight Timer. That's my favorite like daily meditation app. I also use Budify, um, but sometimes I use YouTube. Like I will literally YouTube five minute meditation for a horrible mom. <laughs> you know, I mean, like whatever it is that I need in that moment, you can find it on YouTube. Um, so there's some great resources out there. Do you meditate at all, Claire? I don't, but you know what's you interesting? So my the podcast I just did with my husband, and there's a um research team at MUSC, which is our, our hospital in South Carolina, but that they just invented this, um, like transcranial magnetic stimulation thing called the Zendo that right. I know, right. Um, that helps you enhance your meditation for people that, I mean, if you're seasoned or, or not seasoned. And so we're actually, we're going to go trial it in, in a couple of weeks. So no, I don't, I don't meditate. I feel like I would be real bad at it. So we're, we'll see. Yeah. Well, I really like guided meditation for that reason. Like I do the, you know, focus on something, breathe in, breathe out, um, because it's a, it's a muscle that you have to grow for sure. But in the gut triad, pushing yourself into your head, it can be a really useful tool. Okay. 
So again, we're with the type nines. Um, one thing that you can do also is to have to-do lists because type nines are really bad about procrastination. Mm -hmm. So if you need to keep yourself organized and schedule the things that you're going to do so that you don't procrastinate and then go down a more vicious cycle um, and also be okay saying no. Saying no is mm -hmm. not conflict right. <laughs> in, right. in the mind of someone who wants to avoid conflict. They feel like they can't say no to things, even if they don't want to do it. Right. Um, so practice that and get in the habit of saying no. Yeah. Yeah. And if you know a nine, I'm sure you're like, it's as an eight, I'm, I feel like I need to protect all my nine free people. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, type one is the moral reformer. They have a fundamental need to be good, right, and balanced. Uh, type one see what's wrong and they want to fix it. So they room and they immediately assess it for improvement. So they're looking around at how it could be better, how they would do things differently. Uh, when they're healthy, they're very discerning, they're very conscientious and they're self-disciplined. When they're in an unhealthy place, it can be self-righteous, obsessive or judgmental. Um, so you're constantly critiquing, constantly judging. So a wake up call for a type one would be that you feel yourself judging, you're condemning yourself or others, or you're seeing everything as an obligation. So some mental health tips for that is to take some time to relax and to not have responsibility. So when you are so focused on integrity and being right, it can be important to take that time for yourself that you're not doing something that you're responsible for. Um, also type ones are said to have a very, yeah, yeah. Um, very strong inner critic. They constantly are berating themselves. Mm -hmm. So working on self-compassion for a one is important and using affirmations can be a good tip for that. So making sure that you are speaking to yourself in a positive way and quieting that inner critic. We joke sometimes about naming it, like name it, like Karen, shut up, you know, like be able to separate that inner critic from yourself and don't speak to yourself worse than you would to a friend. Like you should treat yourself with respect and love and compassion. So that seems foreign to a lot of type ones, but, you know, work on that mm -hmm. and also practice being at ease with imperfection and just being okay with things the way they are. So if you've been following DabbleCo and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So the goal is always to share evidence-based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So I was thrilled when BetterHelp approached me to do a partnership with them. So thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling, access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, it solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling. I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So check them out, and they will know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling if you head to betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Um, so it's super easy, betterhelp.com slash dabbleco. Thanks, guys. So if you, you know, seven done. if you know an eight or nine or a one, do you, what are tips to help with interaction with, with the gut triad? So if you are not in that triad and you're interacting with them. Yeah. Yeah. So for people that are like, oh gosh, my best friend is an eight or a nine mm -hmm. or a nine or a one or, you know, yep. 
Absolutely. Definitely understand that they are coming from a perspective of just and quick action and, you know, decisiveness. And so giving eight, nines, and ones the benefit of the doubt is really important. Um, so know that eights are not aggressive or like most of the time they have good intentions and giving like a one the benefit of the doubt because they are critiquing themselves so don't be critical of them because they're already critical enough <laughs> so in relationships with them definitely giving them um, space and awareness and just understanding where they're coming from can be really beneficial cool cool all right, so moving into the heart triad. So the heart triad is two, three, and four, and they're processing things through their feelings. So when stimuli are coming in, they are feeling it, they are emotional about it. And so finding ways that you can connect to your head or to your body can be important. Um, so moving into your body could be just like getting up and stretching or going for a walk or something that's gonna get you kind of moving if you are just all in your feels and you need to move into that. Mm -hmm. So type two is the supportive helper. They have a need to be needed. They make room for everyone and display love and affection easily, a lot of times, except for themselves. So they're not showing the self-love, they're showing love to everybody else, and it can be at their own detriment. Um, they have empathy for everyone, and they have a desire to fix it. So in a healthy place, twos can be really altruistic. They can be compassionate and unselfish. When they're in an unhealthy place, that can be manipulative or belittling or self-deceptive. Mm -hmm. um, so a wake-up call for a two is that you're giving away your value or you're giving too much of yourself, that you're leaving yourself on empty. And when you're people-pleasing, like if you are just doing something just to please someone else, that can be a wake-up call for you to really focus on your own mental health journey. And um, so that might be journals or self-reflection. Um, twos are really important to know when to say no also. Like if you are depleting yourself to be able to help someone else, you need to know that you can say no to that and you don't have to be everything to everyone. And in healthy relationships, it's important for twos to take a step back and ask what people need instead of just assuming that you know what's best. Um, sometimes twos think they know what other people need better than they know themselves. Do you feel like a lot of women are twos? I think that's definitely a cultural expectation and so a lot of women mistype as twos because it might be and especially in the south <laughs> it might be an expectation that that's how a woman is supposed to show up right. um, but if you are really looking at those motivations and fears and desires and not the outward appearance mm. it's probably more common for women to be mistyped mm. as a two or is there something well you said eights are more commonly men is there another type that's more commonly women Mm -mm. No, it's pretty, pretty evenly spread out. And there's statistics that you can find on that. Um, but again, maybe not as <laughs> right. statistically again across the board. It's just people that have done some qualitative research. Yeah. So type three is the successful achiever. I am married to one of these. He is a nurse practitioner also. Oh, cool. um, yes, and he has a need to succeed. Mm -hmm. um, so type threes are very adaptive. They can be whatever the audience wants them to be. So they are often called the shapeshifters. They walk into a room, they can work the crowd, um, but sometimes they can lose touch with themselves because they are putting on a front for what other people want them to be. Mm -hmm. So when they're healthy, they're very authentic, self 
self-assured and ambitious. When they are unhealthy, they can be afraid of failure, vindictive, or relentless. Like they will just stop at nothing to be successful. So a wake-up call is if you start to feel like your self-worth is tied to your success, or if you are trying to be something else or someone else than who you really are. That can be your cue to kind of come back to yourself. Yeah. Um, so maybe find something slow and effective. Um, my husband's really gotten into gardening. And I think that that's like not in gratification. That's good for threes. But then it does have this, you know, achievement piece at the end that you are reaping what you sowed. Um, sure, as a type three, that you take breaks from your work and you breathe. It can also be good for a three to take a break from social media because they can be really big into the comparison game. Mm. And also spend some intentional time with your loved ones. It is important for threes to put down the phone, to put away the work and to be intentional because otherwise they can just be go, 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 win, win, win. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure that you're really being intentional about that. Mm. So type four is the romantic individualist. They have a need to be unique. And if you're a four, you're probably the fourest four in the room because no one else is four enough to be a four. And that might be true because they are also the most complex type. Um, and they have a tendency to feel very misunderstood for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, they are said to be the only number who can bear witness to pain without having to fix it. And I just love that. That's like my favorite oh, yeah. descriptor of any of the types. Isn't that nice? Do you have a friend that can just like sit with you I, yeah. in the mess? One of my best friends is a four. Yeah. And she's, and she's yeah. also a counselor and it's like perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, she's just such a four. Love it. It makes all kinds of sense. Yep. I have a best friend that's a four too. And it is, it's so nice. Like they are that person that you know that you can just be really real with and that they're going to just sit with you in it and not immediately go into fix it mode. Mm -hmm. um, so at their healthiest fours are creative, introspective and self-revealing when they're in an unhealthy place, they can be hopeless, have self-contempt or be alienated. And this goes a lot into um, a tendency to be melancholy or to have some depression for a type four. So some wake up calls there is if you feel yourself in this comparison game, or if you're questioning um, your identity, or you feel like your identity is your feelings, mm -hmm. um, or if you are fantasizing or idealizing so much that you're no longer in the real world, um, which can be really common for a four as well. So finding a way to stay grounded and not let your imagination run wild is really important for a four and to like break out of those false realities. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, getting outside, practicing gratitude, um, things like that can help you to become more grounded. And also um, fours have a tendency to only want to work when they're in the mood <laughs> or in a certain mood. Mm -hmm. um, so making sure that you kind of have a schedule and that you're consistent in your work routine can be important for a four also. Interesting, okay. So that's the heart triad, um, making sure that you're just understanding that they are coming at it through their feelings. So if you are not in the heart triad and you're relating to those people, it's important for you to authentically connect to your own feelings. Um, so to be able to really relate to them, you might have to take a step back and be like, okay, I really need to be in my heart right now. Like I need to be true and honest with them mm -hmm. and encourage them to do the same. Mm -hmm. So the head triad is five, six, and seven. So again, if you're in the head, you're being triggered by something, push yourself into your heart or into your body, and that can help you to come out of it and to be more intentional about it. So type five is the observing investigator. They have a need to understand. 
they want to ask the right questions um, mm -hmm. and also can be a really positive source of detachment. Like they can be very, um, to take a step back and look at it with a critical eye. Uh, fives are said to have a low reserve of energy. So this is one of those interesting indicators that if you're trying to decide your type and you wake up in the morning at, at like a 15% battery and you immediately have to start charging it, you may look at fives. Um, when they're healthy, they are visionary, they are perceptive, they are open-minded. Mm -hmm. When they're unhealthy, they can be reclusive or obsessive or self-destructive. Um, and the obsessive thing is about like learning more. Like you feel like you never know enough. Um, you always want to learn more. My mom is a five. She starts a lot of sentences with, have you read or have you listened to this podcast or do you know this author? Yeah. <laughs> you know, people like that, you know, that are always sharing resources. They always know the mm -hmm. new information. Um, they probably love your podcast for that reason that, you know, you're always learning. Um, so a wake up call for a five could be that you're retreating or that you're over interpreting. Mm -hmm. So if you're just over processing that information, um, you need to focus on your mental health, do a breath practice or get into your body with some movement, um, invest time in a deep friendship and seek their advice. So sometimes fives can go into information overload and it can be important to get somebody else's opinion or to ask advice. And that can be a real stretch for a five because they think they know everything. A lot of times I say that in a loving way, um, but asking advice can be important and engaging with other people instead of retreating. Cool. I don't know if I know any fives. I don't know. It's funny. That's one of the only ones that I'm like, I don't know if I know any fives, it's like for sure fives. It's interesting because I actually have a lot of fives in kind of my circle mm. and um, we're not going into the depth here, but there are connections between the numbers mm -hmm. and an eight is connected to a five and a two. Um, mm. And so I think that that's kind of interesting that as an eight, I do have a lot of relationships with fives and I think there's a little bit of that connection there. Interesting. Yeah. So type six is the questioning loyalists. They have a need to be secure and stable. Um, sixes are said to have an inner committee. So when we talk about the inner critic of a one, we talk about an inner committee with a six. They have a whole group of people <laughs> that are so telling them what if, then what, now what? And so one of the important tricks for a six is learning to separate the truth from the noise. Mm -hmm because they can have a tendency to problematically overthink things. Mm -hmm. um, and it might be important for a six to limit news intake for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, and make sure that you're just like practicing courage because um, sixes can kind of dip into some anxiety if they're not leaning into the things that they're afraid of. Um, but when they're healthy, sixes are very self-affirming. They're dedicated, they're endearing, and sixes are probably the funniest type that you will meet when they're in a healthy place. Like they are witty, they are funny, um, it, they are just fun to be around. But when they're unhealthy, they could be panicky. Mm -hmm. They could think that others are out to get them or be irrational. And like I said, that can lead to some anxiety or even paranoia. Mm. So a wake up call for a six is seeking guidance and reassurance. So if you are just constantly seeking reassurance from other people, that could be a wake up call. If you feel like you've become dependent or codependent on someone, that's a wake up call. And also if you feel like you're just looking for the sure thing or the steady thing, um, you need to practice some positive mental health techniques, which might be a gratitude or a self-love journal, um, making sure that you're really staying present in the moment, 
Um, if you are looking for a new exercise or a way to practice some wellness, you might look at like boxing um, mm. or running something to build skills and confidence. Mm. Um, and also, you know, yoga can kind of help quiet your mind um, and meditation. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Some of the sixes in my life, I would never have known that there are six. And I think that that's a really great example of how you can't type other people also, um, because a lot of the sixes struggles are happening internally. And two of my really, really good friends are sixes and I never would have pegged them as that. But then when we started really talking about it, it's this internal struggle that they're having that other people would never know. My best friend is a six and it took us forever to figure out what she really was. Uh, but then yeah. really got down to it. It's like, no, you're totally a six. You really, mm-hmm. yeah, you really are. Yeah. It's fine. Yep. Yep. Um, so type sevens last, but certainly not least, we'll talk about Ed here. He's the entertaining enthusiast. They have a need to be free and happy. Um, they are afraid of being trapped in emotional pain and aren't we all? Yes, <laughs> but it is even more so for a seven, like they're said to live with only a half range of emotions and it's the positive half (laughs) because if anything negative comes in, they just immediately flip it. And, um, for that reason, they're great. (laughs) They're great problem solvers. Um, because they come up with really amazing ideas, um, because they're for like the bigger, better thing. Yep. When they're healthy, they are very grateful. They're invigorated. They are typically multi-talented, Um, When they're unhealthy, they can be impulsive, offensive, or erratic. Mm. So some of the wake-up calls with that is if you are just always thinking of what's next, or if you have that grass is always greener mentality, that can be a wake-up call for a seven that you need to kind of pull back and be in the present moment. Um, Mm. Having a daily ritual or a routine for a seven is important. Bring intentions to your day. Like don't just live it always looking for the bigger, better thing. Be intentional about staying present and being in the moment. Um, A last minute staycation can be really great for their sense of adventure during the time of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can do something fun locally, that's, you know, spur of the moment and spontaneous, that can be great for a seven. Um, But then also for them to set long-term visions, but then work backwards towards it. So they're really good at the vision casting, but how can you use those steps to work yourself backwards and move towards that vision? Yeah. Yeah. So So that's the head triad. Yeah. And they're really processing things like cerebrally. So if you're relating to someone that's a five, six or seven, make sure that you're approaching them logically. And that you're really making sure that you're kind of backing it up with um, data if possible, or, you know, providing them with a more intellectual connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly how I handle it. If, I, if we disagree about something, I have to come with him to him with the actual data or it's like, he, like he can't, we can't move on. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah. So how do people, what are some of your favorite, um, books that people could read to fig to really dive into figuring out which type they are? Absolutely. Well, you mentioned the road back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's by Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile. That is definitely a great entry into it. Um, I also love the honest Enneagram by Sarah Jane case. She's a little bit more contemporary to us. It's a little lighter, um, but it's kind of a good coffee table book, but there are some amazing resources out there. It can go into business. It can go into relationships and go into parenting. I mean, there are so many different ways that you can take this as a tool. Parenting is really great. Claire. It was like convicting to me as a parent. Uh, 
what do you have a name being a type eight what what um i don't have a book for that yeah i don't there are some good books out there with parenting i don't have one off the top of my head um mm -hmm. but really just digging into your type and looking at how you show up as a parent in that way um can be really important and we say you know don't type your kids um because that's their journey to go on when they're yeah. old enough to go on it but you can kind of start to see some tendencies that can help you to be a better parent to them mm -hmm. but i think if you really do the work in yourself to be a good parent then it can help that relationship translates to your kids mm -hmm. and again you know with that empathy and understanding motivations i think that's why this can be super applicative in healthcare also. Mm -hmm. um, so they've done some research on using the Enneagram with like medical students to help them develop empathy towards their patients. Uh, so when you're working with people, understanding their motivation or mm -hmm. how they're burning out or, um, you know, helping people with career decisions, like it can all tie into this one amazing tool. Right, right. Yeah, it can, it really can help. I feel like so many different relationships and, and relations that you have with people during the day and in your life. I, I just, I love Enneagram. I think it's so fascinating. Um, well, me too. <laughs> <laughs> right. What were you, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about, um, using it more as like a mental health tool kind of now. I mean, you went through it a little bit with each type, but what does, when you say healthy versus unhealthy, people may not even realize what you're, what you're meaning when you say that. So do you mean when somebody's mentally in, like in a good place and a bad or stable, I guess it kind of want to dive into what you mean in, in that way. What do you mean healthy versus unhealthy? So there are actually nine levels of health associated with each type. So you can look that up. There is some, they're listed on the um, Enneagram Institute's website. So you can actually look at these and look at the descriptors for these nine levels of health within your type. So once you've determined your type and you're digging deeper into it, you can look at that and then use that as like trigger warnings, right? Like I am feeling like this and this means that I am not in a healthy place as a type eight. Like I'm a um, level so, seven in my type eightness, right? Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need and that's like red what? alert, red alert, you know? <laughs> so then you use some of those tips that I mentioned and use that as a wake up call to realize like, okay, this is, I'm not in a good place right now. So I need to focus on my own mental health and I need to, you know, speak to someone or get into it. And I love what you mentioned about um, counseling early. I had a friend recently that said that she likes to think of counseling as like going to a spa for your brain. Yeah. And I think that doesn't that take some of the stigma off of it? Because like, I love to go get a massage. I love a spa day. Right. right. So using that as such a positive way to maintain your mental health instead right. of only using it when you're in a really terrible place. Um, and my coaching is the same way. Like my coaching is totally growth oriented, forward focused. How can we learn from this? How can we recognize it? I use a lot of affirmations and reflections and, um, only want to move up. And I have my master's degree counseling, not counseling. I do use those tips and tricks and the work that I've done um, mm -hmm. with students throughout the years to work with my clients. Yeah, it's it. I'm was so glad she mentioned that. I had just never heard of it. And you know, is it do, do we just chalk everything up to oh, you're a seven and I'm an eight, and that's just where we are? But I mean, no. But it does. It it really did help us. I feel like move past um, what was a major 
um, kind of hindrance in our understanding of each other in our marriage, you know? Um, and it, and it helps me understand my relationships better with other people knowing my own type now. So I, yeah, if you're, if you, I feel like if you are in an unhealthy place, um, I, I can't ever really speak highly enough of counseling. I just can't. I mean, and it's, I know it, it can be expensive and it can be, you know, tough to get to and particularly now, but, um, I, and I, I run a sponsorship ad every week from better health. And it's, I said this, it says the same thing every time, which is I wouldn't ever advertise for anything that I haven't personally like used and seen the benefit of, um, unless they start paying me the big bucks, but <laughs> kidding slash not really, but, um, but no, I mean, I, I just love being able to advertise for something that I, believe in so wholeheartedly, um, that really solves a problem for people because counseling, it can be really expensive and it can be really prohibitive, but it's so, it's so important. It's just so important. It's too, too important. It. Yeah. And I have a lot of clients that use counseling and coaching hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I have clients that counselors have referred to me. Um, so it can absolutely be a collaborative experience. And I had a client that said, you know, the therapy was very past oriented for her. It was kind of talking yeah. about things that had happened in her past, but then the coaching was very forward focused for her. Yeah. So it was a nice collaboration. Um, and also, I mean, we offer everything via zoom now, so right. you can, have these conversations. I had a client in Canada and one in Dubai. I mean, like it can be anywhere, um, that you can be having these conversations and can be learning from these tools. No, that makes total sense that, that counseling probably focuses more on the past and things that have happened. And, and then coaching is like, okay, now what do we do to move mm -hmm. forward on this? That's awesome. Absolutely. Yep. Um, what else would you like to tell me as an, as an eight to an eight today? What pearl? <laughs> Of wisdom yeah. as an eight to an eight um first of all i see you i hear you i understand you i think that that is so important yeah. um i think the enneagram and learning that i was an eight especially it gave me permission that i didn't know that i even needed mm -hmm. um i mean it truly transformed my life and and made me realize that um I wanted to be my own boss. <laughs> I didn't want to work for someone else anymore. And I knew that I could, um, and that I could then give more time to my family while I am passionately helping other people to learn and grow. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, leaning into it for you and really knowing that, um, you can, do hard things and it's okay. And, um, you can still stand up for yourself and be that strong woman, even though it's not necessarily how society might perceive you to be, which is, I think where the misunderstood part comes into it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, keep on keeping on and spreading the good word and, um, you know, protecting the vulnerable and sharing this great information that you're sharing. I think it's so amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks for coming on today. It it was really, it was fun. And I hope this is helpful for people. I think, you know, this past year has been challenging for probably everybody that everybody knows. I, I, I don't know that anyone's been like, you know what? 2020 was great. It was just a great, great year, except for like Clorox. If you're the CEO, of <laughs> maybe 2020 was great for you. I don't know, but still was probably challenging in other ways. But um, yeah, this is just, it's been a lot of fun and we'll have to do it again. So 
Guys, as always, if you like the podcast, please rate, subscribe, share it with your friends. That's how um, people find it and how I can find great guests and keep sharing information that's going to be helpful for you. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.